Welcome to the Beargrass Christian Church Podcast. I'm Dee Decker, Communications Director at Beargrass and the so-called host of the show. We're continuing our sermon series, A New Spirit, as this week Dr. Lee Bond dives into John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, and verses 25 through 27, focusing on peace. With its roots in the First Testament, peace is profoundly more than a greeting. Instead, it's a special and significant gift from God. And in John's Gospel, the term is often equated with light, life, joy, and truth. God's peace is not defined by the absence of something, maybe war, strife, hardship, or conflict, but instead it is a positive, empowering presence. The peace Jesus gives to us through the Holy Spirit is more than we can ever imagine. Jesus reminds the disciples and us that there will be ongoing reminders about this peace. The Spirit will help those who follow Jesus remember everything He has already taught them over and over, again and again, time after time, Jesus reinforces what will take place. Here now is Dr. Lee Bond. Morning. Glad that you are here. It's good to be back after uh, some time away. Uh, we are in the midst of a spirited summer sermon series, and uh, we celebrated the beginning of the season of Pentecost on June 9th and heard the story from Acts 2 about the dramatic arrival of the Spirit and the tongues of fire and the many languages and all of that stuff. Uh, and sometimes we think that was the first appearance of the Spirit, but we know if we do our, our Bible studies uh, thoroughly that uh, the Spirit is mentioned many times before that day. For instance, Ezekiel declared a long, long time ago that God would put a new spirit within us. And so that's, that's kind of our theme uh, through these June and July months of summer, this uh, gift of the new spirit that God gives. I think sometimes we uh, think of the gift of the spirit as one gift, but uh, I like the analogy someone used uh, of the spirit being like a, a bunch of delicious ripe grapes. You get one bunch, uh, but there's, there are all kinds of different uh, uh, pieces of fruit on, the, on that bunch. And so we've been thinking about uh, the variations of that uh, gift of the Spirit. And last week, uh, Dr. Lowe talked about uh, the new spirit of gratitude. I heard it was a wonderful message. Thank you for taking care of us. Uh, other gifts that we'll talk about in uh, future uh, weeks will be hope and freedom and compassion and growth. And all of these messages uh, will be complemented by some other things going on in the life of the church. I mentioned Missy Altman's study, Fresh Encounter. That'll be offered Thursday mornings at 1030. Uh, but I love the subtitle, Experiencing God's Power for Spiritual Awakening. So if you'd like to pick up a book, they're in the office. And we will begin to offer what we're calling a summer of spiritual practices uh, beginning on July 1st. And it will be an eight-week a series of daily devotionals similar to what we received during Lent, and then suggestions for various spiritual practices in eight different categories. Uh, so uh, we'll be getting more information to you about that uh, fairly soon. But today, today the gift we will consider is this new spirit of peace. If you have read the 14th chapter of John, you know very well the first verse of John 14. It's one of the most mentioned and read at memorial services, funeral services. It's one of the most assuring passages, phrases in the Bible. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
For centuries, people have turned to John 14 for strength and assurance and peace. And this, this is a remarkable message. And, and we, we need to remember the context. This is within the larger uh, farewell discourse or farewell address, basically, to his close friends who are all sitting around the conference table, basically the communion table now, uh, trying to figure out what, what's going to happen. Uh, and so Jesus in that time, in this moving time, reiterates uh, his commandment to, to them to do what he's been doing, to love others as he has loved. He gently clarifies how that presence will come to them. And he talks about the imminent arrival of the Holy Spirit. And we see that translated in a variety of ways, at the advocate, the helper, the counselor, a uh, friend, whatever. But uh, this gift of the Spirit was promised by Jesus in a very critical, important time. But I wonder, you know, imagine you were there. I, I wonder how they felt even after the words were spoken. Would, would that be enough? Would these promises be enough at that time and that place? Would, would they say, oh, okay, got it. I wonder. And, and as we think about that phrase, his words, do not let your hearts be troubled, I think a natural question arises for us now, today. What troubles your heart? What troubles your heart? It seems to be an important question for us to consider, not only as individuals, but as a community of faith and as a part of larger communities. What are the things that rob us of, of peace? What blinds us from an awareness of God's presence in our lives? What keeps us from being connected to the one who created us and sustains us? There are many things I suspect that trouble us. Some people will point to pressure, the pressure to perform, to produce, to be productive, you remember the old uh, Nissan Motors motto, we are driven, we're driven. One of, one of our church members even has that for his email address. It's his initials driven at gmail.com. So we're, we're into this in our culture being driven. We're driven to acquire, we're driven to achieve, we're driven to be things that are beyond reasonable expectations. And studies are showing us that this drivenness is taking its toll. It's making us sick. One doctor used to think that about 35% of the folks he saw in his office were, you know, had things that were stress-induced problems. But now he thinks it may be as high as 90%. And some of you are dealing with these kinds of things. Problems include ulcers, stomach disorders, Headaches, high blood pressure, insomnia, anybody? Pain, psychiatric disorders, the list goes on. And a lot of these problems are problems of the privileged in our culture and society. But this doctor said a lot of folks are suffering emotionally from what he calls the, the CDTs. The CDTs, the cares, difficulties, and troubles of life. Anybody have the CDTs out there? It's epidemic. It's rampant. It's contagious. And, and at times we make it worse, I think, by not talking about it. 
we, you know, we, we wall off, we put on a, a great face, we act like things are going all so, oh, just great, fine. We put on our Sunday best and we make it worse because we bottle it up and we try to hide it away and, and don't talk about it. One of our church members woke up in the middle of the night about a month ago and just was inspired to write down a poem. And her poem is, is kind of a lament. And I know Susan talked about what a lament is as she addressed Psalm 13 last week. But this woman is with us most weekends. She's sitting among us. And we would never know what's on her heart. But she gave me permission to share her words with you today. And this is what she wrote in the middle of the night. Sometimes I feel alone. I feel invisible even to my family. Death is around the corner or several blocks away. I don't mean to be morose or maudlin, but I, I mourn the things that I never really had, like being someone's true love, a partner. They expect me to be okay, independent, managing my life, but I have disappointments. I have emotional pain, physical pain, everyday pain. Is it all right to have these feelings? Is it justifiable to talk about them, or am I being selfish? I hate these tears. My, my nose stops up. I can't breathe, and one really doesn't want to admit to uselessness because it scares and discomforts others. So, so I'll take my daily antidepressants, and God forbid that someone might feel guilty or responsible or, or touched by my situation. What troubles your heart? Some of us might admit to feelings of guilt from the past. A couple spent some time on a vacation in Jamaica, and in the hotel where they were staying, there was a map, and in the, in the corner of the map, there was some very faint lettering, and they, they got up close to make out the lettering, and, and the words were, the land of look behind. And they asked the owner of the hotel what that was all about, and he said, well, back uh, in the days of slavery, runaways from plantations would escape to this barren territory, and the term stuck, and that part of the island became known as the land of look behind because they were always looking over their shoulders, wondering if the slave owners would track them down with their dogs and guns. The land of look behind. What a terrible place to live. What a terrible way to live. Always looking over your shoulder, wondering what's going to get you from the past. But some of us do live there. And again, we don't like to talk about it, but there are all kinds of reasons. Uh, maybe we regret something we did or did not do. Maybe we have secrets we don't want anybody to know. Maybe we are frozen by an inability to forgive or sometimes even harder, an inability to be forgiven. I read about a man who had committed a couple of minor crimes uh, robbery or two. And uh, in fact, they were, they were so minor that no one was really looking for him. <laughs> but one day he couldn't help it. 
He walked into the state patrol office and said, take me, take me. I can't stand it anymore. He said, I, I feel like I have a big cancer just burning my soul. I had lived in this state of, par- <laughs> of perpetual paranoia. Every time I see a police officer, every time I hear a loud noise or hear a car door slam, I jump. I just, uh, so arrest me, please. The land of look behind. And some of us even try to run away from God. In this new study, the author suggests that one of the conditions that plagues us is our chronic tendency to try to depart from God. Despite all of God's blessings, we tend to wander away. And and we're enticed by the world's empty promises and temptations. Thomas Merton said it well, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves, and we are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. What troubles your heart? Others would name and claim the fear factor. Advice columnist Ann Landers in her prime was receiving about 10,000 letters a day. Can you imagine She said that most people in those letters confessed to being afraid of something. They were afraid of losing their health, their marriage, their job, whatever. And a lot of folks couldn't even name what they were afraid of. I said, I'm just afraid. I don't know what, you know, it's just, I'm just afraid. Some, some people just have faith that something terrible is about to happen and they're just waiting for it. I told you that. It's like the story about the guy who woke up in the middle of the night, heard a noise downstairs, went down and came across a burglar. And he said, I'm glad to see you. Would you come upstairs to meet my wife? She's been waiting to meet you for 20 years. Well, have faith that something terrible is about to happen. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, our 24-7 media messages and news feeds urge us to be scared to death all the time and enraged all the time. Political mudslinging and madness that never ends the threat of another unnecessary contrived war, the countdown of more catastrophic climate changes. I mean, ah! Last, last week, Ellen and I were on vacation with our family and we didn't listen to the news or read any papers for one whole week. Guess how we felt? Much better. We didn't realize how much better until we got back home and got back in our routines and ruts and got buried by the... mm. Now, I'm not suggesting that we remain uninformed or uninvolved. I'm just calling for a healthy balance so that we are not filled to the brim with grim all of the time. Amen? You know, ah, know, fear. It's it's one of the earliest emotions we experience as, as infants. It's basically one of, you know, we have three things that kind of are identified for for babies in terms of the fear category, the fear of falling, the fear of loud noises, and this one, the fear of being abandoned. We remembered that third one really well last week when we tried to put our triplets down for their first nap in a strange room, in a strange house, in a strange place. Close the door. And my daughter loves to have the intercom system on pretty loudly. So we got stereo, baby. I mean, it was, it was, it was, eh. I need a vacation for my vacation. Uh, 
Now, most of us eventually learn how to cope with the first two, but, but the fear of abandonment, you know, that one sticks with us. It sticks with us maybe for the rest of our lives. It's difficult to be alone. We feel it when we lose loved ones. We feel it when, when families don't function, when friendships fail, uh, when, when children are, are separated in cities and suburbs and at borders. What troubles your heart? Whatever it is, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. These words are still so relevant for us today. One of my favorite preachers and professors is Thomas Long, and he says, if there is one phrase that best expresses the gospel, one could hardly do better than this one. Be not afraid. How many times did Jesus say that? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Long says the gospel is the banishment of fear, not in the sense of some temporal announcement that things are not as bleak as they seem or that tomorrow will be a new day, but the revealing of the secret that all that is rests upon the deep eternal presence of God. It's in God's hands. In the words of Julian of Norwich's famous declaration of confident hope, she said she proclaimed all shall be well. And all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. This is a strong theme throughout Jesus' ministry and throughout this farewell address. He says, look at me, believe me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. My, My love, my forgiveness, my grace is sufficient for you. Leave the land of look behind. Go on to the land of look ahead. Don't be anxious about your life. Be sensitive to the beauty that's all around you, the the flowers, the trees, the birds of the air. And believe me, I will never, ever leave you alone. You won't be abandoned. I'm not going to leave you as orphans in this world. Peace I leave with peace I leave with you. The, the peace that God has given me, I give to you. Our experiences with the three we kings, our triplets, uh, have taught us much about trying to find peace in the midst of challenging situations. Many of you know they were born very premature, and we've gone through all kinds of procedures. And we've heard a constant theme from medical folk who said, do not let your hearts be troubled. We do this all the time. And I say something like, but this is like brain surgery for my, do not let your hearts be, but, but this is heart surgery for my, not, so I give thanks to God for the way God works through our, our medical professionals. And they've come up with so, incredible things to to bring peace and comfort to newborns. Most of you are very much aware of these things. One thing that was figured out some years ago was that um, new babies make a lot of noise in the nursery, right? The hospital. And when one baby starts crying, what happens? Well, it's contagious. It's pretty wild. So someone along the way came up with the idea of playing a recording of the mother's heartbeat. And it worked. It worked. The sound that the baby heard even before it was born was the most comforting sound for the baby to hear after it came into the world. 
Makes sense. And psychiatrists and doctors have described birth trauma, which is linked to separation and fear of being taken away from that heartbeat, that connection. Maybe maybe that's why Jesus' words are so poignant and powerful for all of us. Because peace prevails when we can hear that heartbeat. Peace prevails when we can feel that connection. And as someone said in a beautiful way, could it be? Could it be that the Spirit is God's heartbeat in our lives, the inner assurance that we are not alone? And so in the midst of our troubles, we pray once again, come, come, Holy Spirit, come, come and pour out your new spirit of peace. Thanks for listening, and we'd love to see you around the table at any of our weekend worship services. We're located at 4100 Shelbyville Road in the heart of St. Matthews. You can find all of our worship times, location, and upcoming events on our website, www.beargrass.org. If you like what you're hearing, you can hit the donate button. All gifts go to further the mission and ministry of Beargrass Christian Church. And do remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to check out our website. And until next time, grace and peace.